family dynamics can get a little bit crazy. Uh, I told you that this book of Ephesians, I've been telling you all summer long, that uh, it it gets more and more specific the the further we go, and uh, we're at the end of chapter 5 and beginning of chapter 6 today, and uh, and the section there uh, dives right into the dangerous waters of family relationships. As my Bible titles it, Instructions for Christian Households. This may be uh, some of the, uh, the hardest stuff yet. My, many times uh, the people we love the most are the ones that we treat the worst. But, uh, but this letter we've been studying uh, says that this new identity stuff, this identity that we have in Jesus, uh, is supposed to work even at home, even in your marriage, even with your, your kids. So wherever you find yourself today, and, and uh, I know that all of us are in different places and stages of life. Maybe you're uh, married or divorced or single or uh, you have kids or you have no kids or you are a kid or you're empty nesters or somewhere else. Uh, I, I, I don't want you to tune this out. Well, I'm not married. I don't need to listen to that part of the message. Or I don't have kids, so I don't need to. I, I, I think there's, there's uh, principles here for all of us to, uh, to, to, to pull out. Um, or, and or, uh, there are principles there that can help us if we're talking with or, or uh, maybe we'll use it at some point in the future or maybe we'll talk with someone who needs some of these things. Um, the scripture specifically identifies uh, some of these things, especially in our relationships. And relationships are are tricky, and yet they're so vital to our lives. And especially in families, uh, these things are, are important to get right. And so, uh, with all that being said uh, about our relationships, especially the, the, uh, we want to see what, what Scripture says about those close relationships of our family. So we put off the old self and we put on the new self, as we, we uh, have been talking about here. And, and uh, this says that, that uh, one word, I think, can summarize uh, what, uh, what that family dynamic should consist of, uh, how it should be characterized. One word, it's not the most popular word in the world. We're going to unpack it and take uh, uh, quite a bit of time looking at it, uh, but, uh, but we're going to look at it. It's the word submission. Submit. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. It'll be up on the, uh, the jumbotron there for you, but also I'd encourage you to pull it up on your own device or on one of the Bibles under the chairs there. Uh, we're going to start at Ephesians 5, 21, and then we're going to go all the way through chapter 6, verse 4. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit, to your hus- uh, yourse- submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children. 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. There's a lot there. We could uh, dive right in. We could argue about this all day, right? Well, let's get started. The first thing that we have to recognize and the, the context that all of this is in is that if your marriage or your, your family life, your family dynamics, your relationships, your parenting, if they are going to be the relationships that God intends, your first responsibility is to God, not to anybody else, not to your spouse, not to your kids. Your first allegiance, your first love must be God even before your husband or wife or your precious children. If you're having trouble in your marriage, the first question to ask is, how is my relationship with God? Not, how is that my spouse screwing this up for me? Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a letter back in 1952 and, and uh, talked, uh, touched on, on exactly that point. He says... When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. I think we could just sit there for a second. Let me read that again. When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving toward the state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but increased. We've got to focus on our relationship with God first and foremost. Uh, I talk in, uh, in premarital counseling a lot of times. Um, I, I don't think it, it ever gets old. We, I draw a diagram, and it's not a very uh, uh, complex diagram because I'm not a very complex guy. This is kind of how I understand it. And, uh, and, and it's, it, the diagram consists of, uh, the whole thing consists of a triangle. Okay? And God's at the top, and the two people that are sitting there across from my desk are, uh, are the other two corners. And what we talk about is that as they each get closer to God, they're going to get closer to each other. But if it's off kilter one way or the other, or if they're moving away from God, they're going to be moving away from the, their, as C.S. Lewis calls it, their earthly dearest. As we grow closer to God, we grow closer to each other. So that's the big picture. That's the context. That's where it starts. Our family relationships uh, must sit in the context of, uh, of, of our relationship with God. Uh, we, and so we submit to God in everything. Again, that verse 21 kind of uh, is the introduction and the summary and, and everything in between where it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's in the context of my relationship with Jesus that I am relating to these other people in my family. And then we jump into the, 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 first, the, the next few verses there, uh, 22, 23, and 24, and we, we start to get all wigged out uh, about uh, this the, in our liberated society uh, that women are to submit to men. And uh, so let's look, let's unpack that a little bit for us. We need to see that in the whole context of the whole passage. These are three verses that talk about wives submitting to husbands. And then there's seven verses that follow that talking about how a, a husband is to selflessly love his wife. 
We have to look at at marriage in the same way that Paul did, uh, in light of the entirety of Scripture and the plan that God has established at creation. Genesis 2.24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Paul quotes that there in the passage we, we read a few minutes ago. Uh, you've probably been to weddings where they use the, uh, the they light the unity candle, right? And so uh, usually before the service, uh, um, someone, usually the, the mother of the bride and the mother of the groom, uh, come up and they light a candle uh, representing the lives of their of their, those that are about to be married. And and then the unity candles there in the middle. And during the ceremony, uh, those those they uh, the the bride and groom come up and they each take those candles and they light the center candle, signifying exactly this verse that they're uh, they're uh, creating something that's never existed before. The two become one. Uh, there are some folks who then leave those uh, uh, those candle those other candles burning, signifying that uh, the, each person is still their own person or still has their own personality, and and, and yet they've created this th- new thing. Others might uh, might blow out those candles, but a, a lot of times those candles stay lit as well as the the one uh, in the middle. In one wedding I heard about, the bride and groom lit the unity candle. Uh, They left the small candles lit, and then much to the amusement of the audience, the bride leaned over and blew out the groom's candle. Um, Someone once said that uh, the, the wedding, in the wedding, at the wedding, the two become one, and within the first months of marriage, he finds out which one. That's not Bible, okay? That's not, that's not scripture. We joke around about things like this all the time. We throw these things around inside the church, outside the church. What does scripture say? In marriage, it says that something new is created that has never existed before. It's not that one manipulates the other. That's not love, that's selfishness. Marriage is a partnership. Husbands down through history, especially in patriarchal societies, uh, have been known to dominate their wives based on these two or three verses in Scripture. Uh, That term submit has been misused and and misapplied all over the place. Much abuse has taken place, even among God's people, as husbands demand that their wives submit to them and serve their desires. Doggone it. Now I'm going to quote Scripture, right? I believe we've done wives a disservice by pulling a couple verses here out of context because the entire passage is all about husbands and wives submitting to and serving each other as they serve Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit is not a better than I'm in charge and you'd better submit to me relationship. That's not what this word means. We take it as that and that maybe in our context it has this negative connotation. But it's a we look out for the best of each other as together we serve Jesus relationship. That's, 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 it's not about positional authority. That's not what this is talking about. It's not a I'm in charge and you better toe the line. That's, that's not at all what this scripture is saying. Uh, Pastor Kevin Myers uh, puts it this way. He says, submission is not a position that enslaves you, but a disposition that frees you. So it's not about positional authority. It's about a disposition of your heart. And that disposition is one of humility and one of service. In in fact, it it would be true to the original language to insert the word serve in this passage wherever you read the word submit. Serve your husband. Serve your wife. uh, Serve each other as you, as in, uh, in your, in context of your relationship with Christ. Serve one another. Wives, serve your husbands. Husbands, serve Christ by loving your wife. It's a, it's a disposition that chooses to serve for the good of the other that's the foundation of a biblical marriage 
As, as we uh, read those first few verses, there's, something, uh, pretty speci- uh, there's some pretty specific instructions about wives serving their husbands, submit in everything, serve in everything, and, 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 uh, and, and we don't want to uh, just swoop over those, but we have to get it in the context of how it was written. And, and then, uh, guys, before your head swells and, and, and you say, yeah, she needs to serve me, uh, we have to read on because we have a responsibility uh, not to lord anything over our wives, it says, but to love them. That doesn't sound too hard until we look at how we're supposed to love them. Uh, the word there is, uh, is the, the word in Greek, agape love, which is God's type of love, a selfless uh, love, always wanting the best for the other person. Paul then, through that, uh, through that passage, gives two examples of what agape love looks like in the relationship of a husband and his wife. Uh, the first one, the first uh, example, is one of sacrifice. We need to love her as Christ loved the church. Sacrifice is not a, all that popular of a word these days, right? Uh, Jesus is the example that Paul used. That Jesus gave up everything that he had in heaven because of his great love for us. He wanted to, uh, he, he didn't consider, Scripture, Philippians 2 says he didn't consider equality with God something to be clung to, but he made himself nothing, uh, and, and he came in, in obedience. He provided a way for us to be forgiven and holy and blameless because of his great love for us. He wants what's best for us, redemption and forgiveness, and because of that, it resulted in sacrifice. In just a little bit at the end of our service, we'll be, we'll be celebrating communion where we walk through that story again of, of what Christ has done for us and the sacrifice that he has made because he loves us. That is one of Paul's primary examples of how a husband is to love their wives. It's not a, you better submit to me or else, Jesus didn't come to the church and said, you better submit to me or else. He said, I love you, and I love you so much, I'm going to sacrifice for your well-being. How should we love our wives? Guys, if we're, if we're following Jesus' example, we will sacrifice for their fulfillment. We will do what is best for them. Uh, we, will, we will do what will make them holy, what, what will lead them toward God. We should be sacrificing for our wives. And... I want to I emphasize this, though, and don't take it the wrong way, uh, but uh, it's not that we sacrifice our, for our wives because they deserve it, because they don't. Hang on with me. Don't throw tomatoes yet. It wouldn't be love and sacrifice if it was deserved, right? It would be payment for what they're due. This is a sacrifice because we love them and we want what's best for them. Some days even in spite of what's going on in that relationship. We sacrifice because God has sacrificed for us. And a husband's love for his wife should be characterized by selfless love, by uh, sacrifice, by, uh, by, by uh, uh, a love that... that, that wants what's best for them. The, the second example that Paul uses here is uh, ca- uh, love that's, that's characterized by care and nurture. Uh, he talks about t- as, as we take care of our own body, we should be caring for, for our wives. We, we, we take care of ourselves because we love ourselves. We, we make sure that we're clothed and fed. We have what we need, uh, that, that we're comfortable. And, and, and we're to care for, uh, husbands are to care for their wives like, we, like they care for themselves. 
And when, when husbands love their wives, they will we- reap rewards, this says. He who loves his wife loves himself. Things go better for husbands when they love their wives selflessly. Husbands, loving God and loving your wife is best for you too. Uh, I don't know, here, here's, a, here's another way to, to, to put it or to think about it. Uh, husbands, no matter how great your wife is, you are to love her not because of any beauty you find in her, but you love her in order to make her more beautiful. You take care of her, you sacrifice for her, and you lead her toward Christ. And wives are instructed here to love, to serve, to respect their husbands. Again, it isn't something that you do because he deserves it, because he doesn't (laughs) many times. This is a sacrifice in and of itself, right? This is God's grace and love through you to him. It's a partnership, not one more important than the other. Uh, Scripture says in Galatians that that there is no uh, man or woman, slave or free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Christ looks at us and doesn't say, well, the man is more important than the woman, and so lord it over and and, uh, and control her and manipulate. And it doesn't say, woman, since you're you're oppressed, you need to uh, uh, manipulate the the system and, and, and try to get your husband to... This says you're one in Christ Jesus, and God looks at us in that same way. Of course there's going to be, so, so we serve each other as we serve Christ. Because we're serving Christ and he sees us as one, we're serving each other. Not one more important than the other, but, uh, but, but we're serving each other. Of course there's going to be conflict. There's sometimes going to be miscommunication. Uh, sometimes there's misunderstandings. There's, there's differences of opinion. Uh, all of that is part of relationships, any relationship. But underlying all of that is a commitment to serve each other as we serve Jesus, because we serve Jesus. And that only works in a lifelong committed relationship. I don't know where I got it, but there's a a great line that's a a great uh, example of biblical marriage. I I forget whether it's in your notes there or not, but uh, as I submit to Jesus, I choose to serve my spouse, showing God's love for life. A biblical picture of marriage. As I submit to Jesus, I choose to serve my spouse, showing God's love for life. Now, I want you to understand that this would have sounded pretty radical to the first readers of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. They pull this out and they're scrolling down. And this is, uh, and this is the very first time that people would scroll through things. They literally, get it? Scroll? Yeah? Sorry. They're reading down through here and they get to this point and this would have been completely countercultural to them. Uh, it was a, a patriarchal society in all senses. Uh, these were Gentiles. They're, they're, uh, the, 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 the men are in charge and the women have little to no status at all. And, and Paul told them that their new identity as children of God needed to uh, transform their closest relationships, even and especially their relationship with their spouses. And so we need to uh, serve each other, submit to each other as we serve Christ. And he talks about what this looks like. 
I'm sure there's a whole lot more we could unpack uh, with that, and uh, and yet uh, time tells us we need to move on to relationships with between parents and children. Uh, I hope that if you are a teenager, you weren't offended by the uh, the comedy routine there a little bit ago. Um, I. I found it uh, a bit humorous, maybe a little over the top, but uh, it, we're talking about parents and children and that relationship, and, and again, a whole lot of uh, minefield to walk through as we, as we look at this. Uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, the, 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 this passage, first of all, uses two words uh, to describe a child's relationship with their parents. The, those two words are obedience and honor, obedience and honor. Honor is kind of the overarching general attitude that should always be extended uh, as long as the child is in the home, they're under the authority of the parents and they should obey. So obedience and honor. Uh, I read somewhere that there are three ways to get something done. Uh, do it yourself, hire someone to do it, or forbid your kids to do it. And if you forbid your kids to do it, then they're going to probably, because uh, they're not going to, well, that hopefully doesn't characterize your home, but children... Uh, who have decided to follow Jesus, children who have this new identity, they've put off the old self, they've put on the new self, the children who, uh, uh, who are following Christ and desiring to follow Christ, it's, uh, they will not only do what God says, but they'll also do what their parents say. Remember, uh, this whole passage is predicated by the first line, and it applies to this too. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So because of my relationship with God, I'm going to obey and honor my parents. Even when the, uh, the rules are unfair, even when my parents are demanding, and everybody else's parents are letting them do it, but they're not letting me do it. Obey your parents. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons sprinkled throughout this passage. Because you love God and you're submitted to God. Because you love your parents and there's that, that underlying love that, uh, that results in obedience and honor. Because it's right. It says, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. It's right there. Uh, it's, it's one of the accepted, this is, this is how life works. It's, it's right it says that there's a promise attached. We'll be blessed when we obey our parents. Uh, that that, uh, that the, it, life goes well for us. Now, this isn't just that our parents will take us out if we uh, backtalk them, right? Although that might be included in some of this. But uh, you'll be blessed. You'll, uh, you'll, you'll live long lives if you do these things. And it says we do that. We obey our parents because it honors them. So do we not have to listen to this part of the message if we're all grown up and we're not living uh, uh, under the authority of our parents anymore? We can probably just skip over these verses, right? But that's, that's not the case because although we grow beyond the need to obey all of our parents' commands, we never outgrow the command to honor our father and mother. The, the word honor is a, is a great term. It's, it's all about respect. It's all about serving. There's, a, there's a, even an element of, of accepting responsibility for the care of, uh, of the other person, the care of our parents as we honor them. And so we need to treat our parents well, even if we're no longer living in that household. And, and, and you say, well, my parents are, are uh, no longer with us. Well, this, this can even apply to honoring their memory, right? Honoring their, their legacy. Um, honor includes not forsaking what they taught you, especially about spiritual things. And, and, and we could push back here and say, well, well, one or both of my parents are, are not worthy of respect. They're not worthy of honor. Uh, they, they did this or they did that. And, and uh, the, the, the term here is um, in the Lord, Right? 
Some read that to mean that, that respect, we only have to respect and honor parents who are in the Lord. I don't think that's the, the, uh, the connotation that, that Paul is using here. I think it, it means that because of our, our relationship with God, because I am in the Lord, then I will extend honor even when it's hard, even when it's not deserved, but I'll still have a characteristic of honor in that relationship. Children, obey and honor your parents. And then... Well, I'd like to wrap up the sermon uh, right now rather than stepping into Paul specifically addressing fathers because maybe it hits a little too close to home, right? Uh, it says, fathers, don't exasperate your children, but tra- raise them up in the training, and, and, uh, the training of the Lord. And I always thought that that was a misprint because this should be addressed to children too. Do not exasperate your fathers. Because you're really good at exasperating your fathers, and I need a verse to point to. It's already been covered in the first three verses, though, right? If they're obeying and honoring, then, uh, then, then they're doing their part. This instruction, and, and it says fathers, uh, really, there's, uh, there's good arguments. Theologians have, have said that, that really this is, uh, uh, can be addressed not just to fathers, but to parents in general. But it's our responsibility not to provoke anger in our children. Uh, and if there's conflict, to try to resolve it quickly so as not to, as we saw a couple of chapters ago, uh, Paul says in chapter 4, uh, we don't want to give give the devil a foothold. So we want to we want to resolve things with our kids. We don't want to provoke anger unnecessarily in our kids. We could man, we could go into a hundred different ways how how we as parents exasperate our children. I'm not talking about you give them a, a rule and they don't like the rule and so they push back. I'm I'm talking about ish, situations that that where where it's our attitude, it's our conduct, it's our it's our waffling on things, it's it's uh, raising up one standard and then not following through a uh, hundred different ways that we that we exasperate our children but I think uh, rather than going into all those things and having a parenting course here this morning I, I, I think we can step into that next instruction there and that will take care of the uh, help us avoid the exasperation it says bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord again parents whether your kids are in the home or not your first and primary responsibility is your relationship with God. Again, it says in the Lord. It's your, it's your relationship with God. And, and that influence filters through as long as you're living and they're living. There can be that influence as you're training, uh, instructing. That, that happens a lot more when kids are in the home, but, but that can continue on. It's our responsibility as parents. God has put that there for us to influence our children toward him. So, I, I, then I think specifically about parents who still do have uh, kids within the home. Uh, we should be actively instructing and spiritually training uh, our, our children. The, these things should be taking place in our homes. And, and we might say, well, I take them to church and the church is the one that's going to uh, spiritually instruct my kids. And, and hopefully we're going to help with that. But I think we've slipped into this mode of... Uh, uh, taking, taking kids to the professionals to have them dump in all the stuff. And uh, that's not necessarily how church should... I mean, we take, we take kids and we drop them off for, for education and for training and for instruction and all sorts of things. We take them to school so the professional educators can, can give them general instruction. They're going to give them more than we could ever uh, possibly do. Or, uh, and, and so a lot of times we, we take them to, to, to school and let the, let the professionals 
educate them. And we take them to, uh, to music lessons so the professional musicians can teach them how to play an instrument. And again, they're going to be enriched and, and, and edified and, and, and get so much more than, than if I'm trying to teach them how to play because I don't know how, right? And so I'm going to take them to the professional and, uh, and, and we're going to take them, sign them up for a sport so they can see how they play soccer and, or baseball or whatever sport. Uh, and and there, are, there are baking classes and horseback riding lessons and swimming lessons and, and we could go on and on and all of that is, all that is great to an extent we could we could talk about how a lot of that has just gotten blown out of proportion these days and but uh, that's not the point here the point is that our that our kids are learning more than ever and that's great and we're taking them to the professionals to dump in the knowledge and to help them with these things but then we treat church the same way we drop them off at church so the professional christians can dump in the spiritual knowledge so these people that have been walking uh, with Jesus for years can, can instruct them in that, and then we don't have to worry about it while well, I took them to church. I love the story about the little girl who came home from Sunday school, and she had her papers and handouts, and she had a coloring sheet and a Bible verse, and, and, uh, and, and in the stack was a picture of Jesus. And uh, the, the mom was quizzing her on this, and she said, well, you, do you know who that is? And she said, well, I don't know his name, but I think he goes to our church. The um, one, one thing that, that we try to do here is coordinate a lot of what goes on in children's church with what goes on here, at least topically, so that when you go from here, it doesn't happen every week, but when you go from here, it can spark some conversation because, because uh, there are a whole lot of hours, 168 hours in a week, and you're here for one or two of those. There's a whole lot of other hours, parents, where you can have a great influence in your home. The, the church is here to help. I, I believe that the church is an essential part of, uh, of your life with God and your children's spiritual journey. But ultimately, their spiritual training is a parent's responsibility. I think maybe, maybe some parents end up not doing this because they aren't really sure where they need to be, where they are spiritually. And so uh, in their walk with God, they have a lot of work to do. A, a key component of bringing your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord is that you are on a journey with the Lord too. And if we want our kids to grow up to be like Jesus, first we have to be who we want them to be. And that's... That's, that's a, a, a difficult thing. It's, a, it's an ongoing journey with Christ. We can't instruct them in something that, they have, that, that, that we haven't experienced already for ourselves. There's a story of a father who took his, uh, his little boy out on a, uh, on a walk in the woods. And they wound through tall trees and, and uh, over ferns and moss-covered stumps and, and walked over uh, pine needle, needles that were scattered across the ground and, and uh, big rocks. And the father pointed out fallen trees and, and a groundhog hole and, and little things like mushrooms growing out of a rotting log. They were just having a great adventure day. And, and after a while, the, 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 the dad asked his son, he said, uh, son, do you know where you are? And the little boy looked around for a second and said, nope. And the dad said, well, do you know where you're going? And he said, nope. And the dad said, well, guess you're lost. And the uh, little boy looked up at his dad. He grabbed his hand and said, no, dad, I'm not lost. I'm with you. Wonder if that's the picture of what Paul's talking about here. Bring up your child in the training and instruction of the Lord. We know where we want them to go. On their own, they'd be lost, but we're guiding them through life. Fathers, parents, lead your children 
to Jesus. They need you to. Without your influence, they're lost. Children, obey and honor your parents. Life is better when you do. And by serving them, you're serving God. Husbands and wives, love and submit to each other. Serve each other. Love each other deeply as you love Christ deeply. All of us, no matter where we are in our relationships, our our new identity as children of God should transform every single relationship we have, even in our families, especially in our families. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Father God, thank you. Thank you for these crazy relationships uh, called family that you've given to us. Lord, we want to we do that well. We know that's kind of uh, one of the central components of our lives. We'll always be connected with these folks. And, and uh, sometimes it's just crazy and, and wild and, and uh, broken and, and, uh, and holy and everything in between. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see how you can be displayed in our relationships and our families. As we, as we serve you and serve each other, as we love you and love each other. And Lord, I pray that as we receive these elements, that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us, that you would remind us of just uh, the, the crystal clear picture of what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for you. Lord, we thank you for your act of service on our behalf. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. But you have pursued us with your love. I pray that we can be characterized by the same kind of love in our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.